0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to this fabulous day filled with energized opportunity. A day with opportunity is a day worth living. One of the greatest joys in life is walking along, maybe even singing a song. But this joy comes from identifying and picking up those sticks of opportunity lying around. For me, there is something about the creativity the empowerment, and the overall feeling of satisfaction that gives me not only joy, but just goosebumps thinking about it. Now go pick up your stick of opportunity and energize your day.
1: It's time to play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard.
2: Hump Day to you folks,
0: it is a gorgeous Wednesday outside here in the Dakotas, we're finally getting some sun in, in fact, my son came upstairs today right away, he said, Dad, it's supposed to be over 50 degrees, let's go Woo-hoo! play some basketball. It's like summer here, man. He's getting excited. Yep. That is Sterling, my name is Jason Spies, welcome to the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show. Wacky Wednesday. Weenie Wednesday. Weenie Wednesday. Or, or a
3: Wild windy. Windy. Windy Wednesday. What else? That wine
0: Wednesday? Wine day, yeah. I, although I think that's every day now for most people. Oh, no. Half price wine? Oh. Where you get half price bottles? Woo. A lot of places do them on Wednesday or Monday. So they just give you half the bottle? They get... You think that would work? Yeah, <laughs> you just cut
3: off and here. Try you go. Hagg- haggle that one, right?
0: It's <laughs> like the top half or the bottom half. See, so I'd be like
3: Aldi. You have to bring your own bottle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> actually, right, it comes in a big barrel. Yeah, so it makes sense. That's actually a genius idea. Did now you see that, 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 that I'm thinking about it, a line of people,
3: you know, lined up like at those water stations at Walmart, just getting the big old thing of wine.
0: I actually have always wanted to go to one of those like uh, rural old school parties, you know, where they where they put on the old wooden tap, Ooh. okay, where you, where you like, take you're, a hammer. like,
3: jug band. And
0: you, well, it's like one of the right. barrels. It's a keg, a true yeah, keg. Yeah, it's the size of, like, an old-fashioned boiler. Yeah, a cask. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, and then they knock something off, and then it, you lose about five <sharp> gallons, right? It just goes out, and everybody cheers. Right. And you, big old Stein, you do some <laughs> ceremonial drink, throw on your wooden tap. <laughs> You know, that's the same kind of people that flip their wrist around and their and their elbow in order to drink out of a jug. Oh yeah, the
3: hillbilly drink. Yeah, mountain man. Yeah, drink. the mountain man drink. Yeah, yep. so, sounds like a scene out of the Oklahoma musical. You know, where they they tap the keg and yeah. dance in the beer.
0: I don't know. How did we get on that? I Wednesday, I'm Thursday. Thursday, yeah, <laughs> hump day. There we go. Well, weenie Wednesday, wild yeah. Wednesday. We also you said uh,
3: maybe we're a windy Wednesday. There we go. Yeah, maybe we're just both closet alcoholics.
0: Folks, it's one of those days here. Closet. (laughs) (laughs) I wear that open. Here's what I've got in my notes today. Well, first of all, thank you for joining us. We've got a fantabulous program. It's so damn good. We're making up words. (laughs) Fabulous (laughs) and fantastic put together. Fantabulous. fantabulous. It's a perfectly cromulent word. Michael Scott's true genius I have down in my notes. Lead singer for Creed? No, actually, oh. let's talk about that. Okay. You know why? Because it's part of an email. Oh. So, to, you know, we've got these emails we get in, and we've got a, a top 10 list we got to get to. We've gotten from someone. Going through my notes here, I can't seem to find half the thing. But <laughs> uh, Michael Scott's true genius is part of an email that we got. Okay, it's connected. Because, you know, I, I do these daily positive mm-hmm. deals, and people like them. A lot of people come up. They, 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 I've gotten more comments about that. 30-second, hey, let's have a great day, yeah. you know? a little inspirational kick in the pants. Than any interview I've ever done with any CEO or business owner or um, U.S. senator. Right. That, that, you know, I'll get an occasional, hey, wow, how, how'd you get them? Not, not great question in the interview, great insight. Right. Those I get twice a year. <laughs> hey, that's, that, that's doing pretty good. The how, how did you get them? Monthly. Okay. Well, so you come up with these every day. The, uh, the, the positive you know, affirmations, right. the daily inspirations, yeah. you know, that I get all the time. <laughs> so just to <laughs> give you an idea of what people are listening to and what right. people like and what people are commenting on. Well, they tell you, you know, if you have a good meal in a restaurant, mm-hmm. you need to have 10 of them with one person for them to tell three people. Okay, so if you have one person go to your restaurant mm. 10 times, you need to hit 10 out of 10 in order for that person to go tell 3 people, okay? So the now, word of mouth. If you have one bad experience, yeah. That one person will tell 10 people, and then those 10 people will tell 3. Yep. And so the game is a little bit slanted when it comes to it's exponential growth when it comes to negative comments. And that study by the way, was done before social media really so oh geez better add, before a, zero. Yelp. <laughs> add a zero before the uh, two zeros yeah. add yelp yeah. <laughs> you're not yelping it's just a rage machine so yeah in fact uh we'll get to that in just a second but uh, we've got a number of things to talk about the industrial forest we've started construction on that i just talked to uh agassi water management they also do heating and cooling and uh, Agassiz, of course is the old glacier right because we want pure water here. Oh, yeah. It's going to be the good stuff. And we want some water management with what we're doing in our construction. Mm-hmm. And we also need some industrial heating and cooling advice. Absolutely. The plot thickens. Well, if you're talking the about industrial the sustainability shed, right? Studios yeah. at the Williston Basin Petroleum Conference. Might be easier for
3: us to get this off the ground if we were pitching microbreweries at each one. Tomorrow's Earth Day, too. That's right. Tomorrow's Earth Day. What are you doing for Earth Day? E-R-F. Earth.
0: Earth Day. I, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do for Earth Day, honestly, because every day is Earth Day for me. Well, yeah. You I know, spend I almost like every Valentine's day on Earth. Day. I, I tell my loved ones I love them every day. I right. don't need a Valentine's Day to remind me, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Cheapskate.
0: I don't need prunes. To, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody needs prunes. It's a choice. All right, what else do I got written down here? Oh, we got the leadership, so we're we're going to get into our leadership series coming up. Oh, block party, that's coming up. Boy, when is that block party coming? That's, that's down in Texas, right? I think that's Friday, actually. I believe it's yeah, it is down. We Sean Forbes will be heading down there. She's going to be representing the Crude Life as awesome. well as
3: the directory her
0: company OG Directory. That's right, uh, but at the same time, she's going to be gathering some interviews for the Crude Life as our special correspondent and guest co-host of the play hard work hard morning show and sterling is not around what am i looking for by the way the wildcatters deal right yeah you're looking for the block party digital wildcatters block party well and i'm being like an idiot i'm looking for the ad instead of just going to the website why don't i just go to the (laughs) website like a like a nut job i am here first go to ask jeeves wildcatters digital block party it's a digital wildcatters block party not the wildcatters digital block party because nowadays you got to be careful about that because yeah, somebody say, might think it, it's virtual is it
3: a digital block party digital
0: wildcatters is, is their name okay and they're having a block party but it's called wildcatters block party that's where i got messed up so i do apologize but here's the deal you ready for this crawfish boil Ooh. love me some good craw dads, and margaritas Crawl moms too cornhole tournament
3: that's the beanbag thing, right? Cornhole, yeah, that's okay. that is because yes. that you, it means different things in different places. Yes, it does.
0: I always wondered how they got that name by. I'll be perfectly honest, seriously. Yeah, I'm being totally beanbag tossed too risque? <laughs> in in today's day and age of political correctness, I have absolutely no idea how cornhole made it into the world of bar games you're just inviting trouble alcohol and
3: guys throwing things you're come on yeah i yeah. mean that's probably the nicest so, name for it
0: <laughs> you know the game where you have two golf balls with with uh, uh, a piece of string and you've got three different levels and you try to get the oh yeah what's it like, i have no it idea looks what like it's a ladder called. yeah we call it testicle toss ah okay. okay ouch that's not the name right i figured so never when saw that people are calling it cornhole i actually was like <laughs> i thought you know like it's, i thought
3: that was the slang term for totally, it totally right? i thought it was I'm the like, ridiculous yeah, term that yeah. just
0: a bunch of drunk people the nope. lake called it but no nope, that's what that's it's called what it's called yeah so okay
3: <laughs> but hey, man, they're gonna have all-you-can-eat crawfish, beer, margaritas. Gather around the cornhole boards with other people I didn't even in the industry. Know
0: what the game donkey punching was? <laughs> I stayed away from that you side. Know, of and the, back in my day, that we that just we just tipped
3: camels. I mean,
0: that's all we did. <laughs> you know, camels.
3: <laughs> Not yeah. a lot of
0: cows overseas. So it's the uh, <laughs> Digital Wildcatters' first annual block party at that they got a time machine too they can see in the future because they they, because in order to have a annual you need to have two because you can't have a first annual they got a great picture
3: on their site too it looks like a party you got people in swimsuits outside looks great
0: man i wish we could go only 20 bucks we will have to live vicariously through sean forbes and folks we invite each and every one of you to live vicariously through her as well through her social media og directory and of course she'll be collecting a few interviews here uh we'll, we'll air on the crude life as well we might even check in with her you know what i mean we might have to do like a special friday afternoon show or something along those lines so. she's gonna FedEx as some crawfish right having and lunch a with brad on friday by the way nice voice guy yeah where are you winding guys going? winding down he's moving to tucson he
3: can, you know, once he gets set up, we're still going to get that silky voice back, right? He's Maybe? starting
0: to do the uh, snowbirder yeah. stereotype. He's going to go crazy if he doesn't have something to do. Part of the deal was he's going to get a dog. That's how he. <laughs> that's that's part, how it. That's yeah. how he got the. Well, his wife's been wanting to move to Arizona now for probably five to six years because okay. her daughter lives down there. Yep, family. Family and. He's born and raised Midwest boy. Mm-hmm. He, he has snowblower on his mind. Yep. You know, and so uh, he also has had a dog pretty much his whole life until about three years ago, two years ago. Uh, his dog Blue, Australian Shepherd, passed. And he's 70. Okay. Now he's 72. Mm-hmm. Hard to get your significant other to agree to a dog. When, anything when, at that point. She's seventy. Yeah. And finally kinda has some freedom. Really, right? It's like no kids. No pets. No pets. Yeah. First time in seventy years. Kids have grown
3: up. The pets are dead. The butler's been (laughs) discharged. You know. Now who's in a time machine? (laughs) Yeah, right.
0: (laughs) Anybody listening in their forties like, I got thirty more years of this shit? What? I thought I thought when the kids were out of the house we got freedom. Oh, Oh, not if you got pets. I'm pretty sure the
3: world's gonna end before then anyway. It's don't worry. Well,
0: I mean, I remember Brad, he would always tell me, you know, the pet nanny. How much it would cost, yep. and if they'd have to go to you know their their mothers, you run into that
3: with Frackleberry. Absolutely, you go on the road. She's got to go with you. She's got to be in the hotel. She's
0: got to be in the car. You got to find a place for her to run around and have fun. She will not fly. She is that green. She will not fly. She's more green than Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> the she famous will, painter. She will eat her own poo. Yeah, I've seen her before. She eats some French foie gras. <laughs> Actually, she'd probably like Fargoa. That's duck fat. Right? Yeah, she'd love yeah, it. Yeah, she'd lick yeah, that she'd up. Lick, in fact, we go, we have a can of it that. up in the pantry. Yeah. Never mind. I take yeah, that that's back. That's like peanut butter candy for dogs, <laughs> but man. But she won't eat Pop-Tarts. Well, True story. She's she's not dumb. She's we were smart. In, we were in Greeley, Colorado. We were visiting uh, Titan Solutions. Okay. We were visiting Becker Safety and Supply. Oh, what's that? I dropped another name there on the floor. Boom. And we were staying at the Double Tree. Nice double tree in downtown Greeley. By the way, best Indian food I've had in the country overall, besides cowboys and Indians out of Houston. Who has the best coconut curry? But the uh, lentil soup, that oh, the Indian yeah. food, the yeah. doll? Yeah. Oh, 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 man. What's it called? The Sherpa Grill. Mm. Anytime I talk about Greeley, I want to plug the Sherpa Grill. Yeah. Huh, fantastic. They have one in Fort Collins now, too. Sherpa number two. They're brothers. All right. Okay, so they're expanding. Nice. So, and the the food quality is the same. So I'm out walking Frackleberry. But Doubletree's gorgeous, by the way. Nice hotel right across the street. is a great-sized park. Moderate homeless population. So I'm out walking, which you, in Colorado, you actually have to say that. Moderate to low to high levels of homeless population. Mm -hmm. Anybody listening who's been to Colorado or living in Colorado are like, Amen finally somebody's talking about this blight this it it is an issue it is an issue and everybody blames the pot Mm -hmm. all the homeless are here because the pot and that's about half true
3: (laughs) you know reno had that (laughs) reputation before pot but
0: but the other half
3: transient town
0: is that you know in, in in minnesota which is connected to north dakota being an extremely blue state well they give great welfare so then you get that too for a lot of homeless.
3: You also people. run into the
0: issue here where it's it's more difficult to be homeless. Well the the cold keeps them out. Mm-hmm. So getting around actually and walking the dog, Frackleberry Hound in Greeley, Colorado around the double tree, there was a pop tart on the sidewalk, yeah, and this was probably month one. And mm, Frackleberry free so ground pie. I wasn't too sure of her eating habits. Right. What's All she I'm do? used to is a dog that'll eat everything, including their poop. She wouldn't touch it. Smart girl. She'll eat her poop, right? But she won't eat a pop tart. Well, she knows what's healthy. I thought that was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. And I'm thinking, how many humans are putting that into their body? And this dog what? which would probably eat its own poop. Dude, I'm guessing if you took a random sampling of 20 or 30
3: people and walked them by that Pop-Tart, at least one would pick it up and eat it.
0: The homeless weren't even eating it. That says something. A dog and a homeless person won't eat something that a regular focal. (laughs) I I never liked Pop-Tarts,
3: and if you left them out for a day or two outside of their shiny little wrap. They turned into like seriously. They were like shingles for roofs or heat shielding for the shuttle. I mean, they couldn't be broken.
0: Well, look at this. You know, we mentioned Sean Forbes is going to be at the Digital Wildcatters Block Party, April twenty fourth. Mick Hager, you know Mick Hager, Mick Hager. canine pipe inspections yep. and Chewy Paws, and yeah, and Chewy Paws. That's right. Well, she's going to be at the Bakken Barbecue on June eighteenth, nice. Friday. At the Crude Life booth, handing out potatoes. Is she bringing some of her uh, her inspector dogs? She will bring at least one, from my understanding. Maybe. My, my, probably one. That's a lot. Of, talk about a lot. Yeah, work, her and I, right? I, I keep asking her, I guess not asking her, but uh, soliciting advice where she doesn't want it. That, uh, <laughs> to have like one dog that just does PR. Right. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think she already has that in the business plan. It's like one of those things like, yeah, great. Have you got $40,000 to get my business going? I'll do whatever you say. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I already know how to spend money. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks for the idea. I'm really good at the spending money part. I, I don't know that, but I'm just assuming now that I'm processing. Right, my, that that was probably me, the message. Me suggesting things. You know what you should do? <laughs> oh, I want to punch people. And they say that, including me. Don't you love it? Yeah. Every, every time I say that, yeah. I, I now I'm actually pulling myself back upon apologizing to the person for saying that. Like, I apologize. I just said, you know what you should do. I don't like it when people say it to me, so I apologize for saying it to you. And I'll tell you what, nine out of 10 people say, thank you. It does bother me when people say that. Yeah. Oh, I get people say that all the time yeah. to me. So, yeah, well, it's... Uh... Um, anyway, she's going to be there at the Bakken Barbecue where we're doing Potatoes of Inclusion. Spudtacular. Our ESG Potatoes. Wait. So the potatoes
3: themselves have been environmentally social governed. They have been. Is this like a kosher thing
0: where they've got a rabbi potatoes? Right. Should we have John Kerry there blessing the potatoes?
3: Blessing the
0: potato. <laughs> Drew we have the climate czar? No, he's the envoy. He's the, the envoy. climate envoy blessing yeah. the potatoes like a rabbi. With, I think that's... Uh, you're, you're a
3: born Jew. How does that work? Well, yeah. You know, if, if something's kosher, right? right. Then, it, yeah, it has to be, you know, it, it has to be prepared a certain way. It has to be clean.
0: From my understanding is like Hormel has like a rabbi on staff yeah in fact as a joke in
3: high school as a joke i called a pepsi hotline and asked if pepsi was kosher and they explained that yes they have a a couple of rabbis that are on site at their major bottling plants (laughs) yeah
0: so this is back in the
3: 90s it's probably you know a computer rabbi now but
0: and i think it was ketchup too heinz Anything that has that logo on the back, there's a certain logo that's got a kosher. And, and if they have that logo, they have a a rabbi on staff. Yeah, that basically sits in his. Uh, I. Is it an office or a chapel or, I mean, what do you call that? A you know, I
3: have no idea. I'm Catholic. I was, so. I was picturing a, a scene. I think it's from what Laverne and Shirley or whatever, where they're the bottling plant, you know, where the bottles are just spinning by. I just pictured a rabbi with a yarmulke, just kind of blessing. Everything. See,
0: now I'm picturing squiggy as squiggy, the rabbi. Yeah. And now so, we
3: have really dated ourselves.
0: We're just doing fantastic. Yeah. Here now. I don't even know what we are so talking now, about.
3: Welcome back to the seventies show.
0: And now we've got welcome back. <laughs> Cotter. <laughs> as a rabbi. John Travolta. Which is probably makes the most sense. A Scientologist as a rabbi. That's like the Jerry Seinfeld Christmas special. Boy, we're just really hitting it. We are hitting some really good grounders here, aren't we? Some ludicrousness here, man. We are hitting into a ton of double plays.
3: And I don't even play baseball. That's a good thing, right?
0: It's not a trifecta. It's a triple play. You're out.
1: Some (laughs) falls down, now it's pixie dust I carry what I need baby you I can trust in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. It's sponsored in part by Chewy Paws. All
0: natural elk, deer, moose, and caribou antler chews for dogs. USA sourced, premium quality, and no preservatives. They love what we do in oil and gas, and all profits go to the dogs. That's Chewy Paws. Check out their website,
1: ChewyPaws.com. That's Chewy Paws with a Z.com. The crude life, play hard, work hard, is sponsored in part by...
2: For more than 100 years, First International Bank & Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral & Land Services and Mineral Tracker... To protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come.
0: It takes an industry to build a forest. industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out industrialforest.com. That's
1: industrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Well, you're my pineapple, baby, never be your mango man. You're my pine- be
0: mango man. Welcome back to the crude Live. play hard work hard morning show. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling and hello. Well, we're going to get into a little bit of news here this morning. And uh, I got Panning the news this news. morning. What do you got? I got the news this morning. Well, actually, What's we're, happening we're not going to do the official beautiful news. Beautiful Wednesday. I'm trying to find... Well, there it is. I've got three different email addresses. We've got the studio one. i got to check there to make sure it's there. Mm-hmm. And then I've got my, uh, you know, just my regular Jason at The Crude Life. And then you got that burner one, Jason then at Darknet. And i got that burner dot. one yeah. that... The bat phone, right? Right. The bad email. Well, it came in on the bat email because it's from uh, Congressman Kelly Armstrong. Okay, so probably not malware. And uh, he sent out the following statement to the uh, Democrats' plan to reintroduce the Green New Deal. The what way? So we're trying to get ahead of this here, okay. right? The Green New Deal would be devastating to North Dakota and those who rely on the energy industry to feed their families. The Green New Deal is an effort to take control of the entire economy, destroy millions of jobs, and put the government at the center of more Americans' lives. Some estimates put the cost of implementing the plan at 30, wait, 93 trillion. Sorry, I got dyslexic there for a second. That's a big number. Implement the plan at $93 trillion, costing every American household up to $65,000 per year. Actually, we, we talked about this two years ago. But What is more disturbing, if you compare President Biden's infrastructure plan and the Green New Deal, there is little difference between them. The President's proposal calls for more spending on electric vehicles than it does on spending on roads, bridges, highways, waterways, ports, dams, and airports. This is just another push to get the Green New Deal implemented. We need a bipartisan plan that will reduce global emissions and grow the economy by ensuring we can develop and build technologies at a home that are clean and affordable. The Green New Deal will not deliver clean air or clean water, only destroy our economy and millions of livelihoods, Congressman Armstrong. All right, and I thought you know I got a few others, but I thought that one kind of summed up probably the best uh, what what a lot of the attitude is towards the Green New Deal coming from the Republican side of the aisle. Yep. Now, your wife, Starbucks, mm-hmm. who's no longer at Starbucks, so she put her notice in, right? Yeah, yeah. How's that going, by the way? Well,
3: it's just happening right now, actually. Oh, so. you guys in the process? Yeah, we'll see.
0: And she's going to another liberal institution, is that right? <laughs> so you still got the liberal influence around your household? Wait, you mean a bank? <laughs> Can't get much more liberal than that. I I wow, okay, yeah. I know that you say no, but the biggest subsidy receivers in the history of the world has got to be banks in the last three years, right? Well, they're just the money, they're just the money changer, man. They're just the intermediary. 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 So, words, another liberal institution, if you will. Anyway, I bring it up because you're going to have uh, kind of that liberal influence around your household and yada yada type thing. Because I just want to ask you about, do you know much about the Green New Deal? Cause no, I don't. I really don't. I, uh, that, that's where I think having a, either a conservative or a liberal or a libertarian or a green you know, uh, influence around the house is going to make all the difference in the world on a lot of these Green New Deal conversations. Because it's very complex. And it's very polarizing And when anything is like that Facts go out the window So what, what do you know about it? That it's very vague You know okay. that, it, that it basically is uh, Does it sound good or does it sound bad? Well that's the thing I don't know ex- enough about it okay. To do, understand Do you think it sounds Republican or Democrat? or na- Oh well it,
3: it definitely sounds Democrat I mean it, the, the, the parallels that I hear about are um, What was that back in Roosevelt's day? The New Deal. Right. So, yeah, that, I imagine right. that's where it comes from. Yeah. Right? So that that is, you know, I know that it's supposed to be a huge investment in green energy. I know that it's supposed to be uh, looking towards uh, environmental social governance whatever that is, okay. you know, so
0: ESG. Yeah. ESG. Um, that's why we have the ESG potatoes, right? That's <laughs> they're spectacular. By the way, that's where we went off the rail. Was it we, we talked? By the way, during the commercial break, we were trying to figure out where what our last we'd been segment talking went about? off the rail. Yeah. Cause it went off the rail fast. It was the ESG potatoes into the uh, uh, kosher And and as soon as we went into that. Man, and then we were just off to the races. Off to the races at that point. It got blasphemous at that point. So do we just get struck by lightning? Oh no, never mind. Those are potatoes. And for a penny and for a pound, man. Folks, we're actually smoking the potatoes. We're gonna find out if hickory smoked potatoes taste better. Apple smoked wood potatoes But what else do we, what are the other ones? Uh, Cherry smoked. uh, We're going to put a couple in a plastic
3: bag and time uh, around the exhaust of a truck and see how that does. Pecan
0: would. No, pecan. Give it that sweet. Really? Well, you got to think the potato would absorb the smoke flavor probably the best.
3: I was kind of hoping you could put a few potatoes in with the other meat that's smoking. So I well, get can some do of that. that like meat saturated well, potato.
0: We did think about actually going to different smokers mm-hmm. and asking them if they wanted a few potatoes to put, because right. there's always room in your smoker for a potato back in the corner. Sure. And there might be somebody who wants to eat one themselves, yep. or they might just want to put one out in their booth too, sure. you know, because listen, it's just, a, it's, a, it's, it's dumb. I know it's potatoes, but it's dumb. Potatoes are awesome. But it means a lot yeah. because now what you're doing is you, it's a symbol. You're just saying we're offering a vegetarian option mm-hmm. for you to go put your meat on, for you to go put your barbecue on. You know, we change it to barbecue. It's too many people giggled when I said this slogan. It's a great vegetarian option to put your meat on. It is. And, and too many people thought it was sexual. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, we don't, it was a family friendly event. Yeah. This is not a play hard, that type of thing. Right. Although there is alcohol served. Sure. Yeah. So who knows where it'll go. Getting back to the Green New Deal. We're not falling off the rails on this segment. I don't even see
3: rails here, man. There's not there's. there's we don't not even see any race track. or
0: rails here, Mrs. Chang, in the hovercraft. So,
3: Okay, so from what I've been able to... Pull up like a Green New Deal I'm for looking, dummies. I'm looking at one right yeah, now. Okay? A Green New Deal for dummies. Let's and see what it's it says. still too smart for me. So they're talking about some of the goals, providing right. investments and leveraging funding to the help green communities. New Deal
0: cliff notes for right? dummies:
3: Investing <laughs> in renewable power. We know that. Okay. Investing in manufacturing to spur growth of clean energy. Upgrading all existing buildings and building new ones so that they achieve maximum energy efficiency, water efficiency, safety, comfort, durability. Supporting family farming. Investing in sustainable farming and building a more sustainable food system. Investing in transportation systems.
0: So, there's really nothing that, from what I'm hearing, there's nothing new that wasn't already being done, okay? Yeah, it's more like
3: wrapping it into one big thing. From
0: my understanding, the government has grown significantly in my lifetime, Mm -hmm. all right? The budgets, the amount of money that has gone to pretty much everything from the roads, to schools has increased significantly in my lifetime. Okay. So what I'm hearing is stuff that is already being done and a bunch of platitudes. Okay. So now what they're doing is they're riding the coattails. They're riding the momentum of what we're already doing. We're already investing in infrastructure. We're already doing that. Okay. Okay. What's, okay, so now let's get into the subjective crap. What, 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 start over. What, what were some of those, those buzzwords that I heard? This, to me, sounded like the episode of 30 Rock where Steve Martin plays Gavin LaCour, <laughs> and he invites people over to basically screw them out of their money. And he's like, I got a great investment idea. So, was it Sunstream? yeah. What, and what were the buzzwords again? It was synergy,
3: like, freedom, and I think there was a bald eagle in there somewhere. Yeah, it was just
0: a bald eagle flying, yeah. and then words synergy and people freedom. wanted to give them money. And what does Jack Donaghy do? I'm in. Well, how yeah. much? What do I got to do? Here's, here's a blank check. <laughs> That's what this sounds like to me: is a bunch of uh, buzzwords with support of what we've already been doing. Okay, so. Go, go back and kind of start over here. What, what, were, well, what, what were these bullet points? Again? So what they're talking about, uh, the Green New Deal
3: aspires to a net zero gas emissions and 100% clean renewable energy by 2030. The Biden plan. That's loaded there. Yeah. The Biden plan, which is called a clean energy revolution, which is not as ambitious uh, as the Green New Deal. So plans to achieve the same by 2050. Okay. Green New Deal estimated it cost about ninety-three trillion with a T. Okay, so the proposed Biden plan one point seven T. So that's a big difference. But yeah, you're right. I mean, most of these infrastructures. Today. I think, I, if I had to guess, one of the big pushes behind a piece of legislation that wraps up all this stuff into one big package is to codify it, because once it's in there, it's very hard to remove those things. This is, I mean, but you know what I don't see is any actual mention or any specifics about carbon pricing, and that's something that you and I have been kind of going. Okay, so API is coming out for it. Occidentals getting into carbon capture. What are the rules? We know we've been told what direction we're supposed to be marching in, but not the rules.
0: So the carbon price, you know, probably pay for a lot of this. Then that's kind of the idea because first guess. they're gonna they're gonna push everybody to accept that dollar amounts that you said and then of course they got to figure out how they're going to pay for it so that's that's next year it's theater right that's the yeah. next year of professional wrestling and uh politics right yeah so it, we, we got to pay for it that's where the carbon tax is right yep okay so that gets passed on to the people too and a, you know a big mac is going to cost 15 by next year so, this theater that's going to happen is pro wrestling, this Melrose Place, Knott's Landing, 90210. 0. Do we got any other <laughs> dramas that we can name oh, that are more gosh. relevant? Falcon's
3: Crest? No, I don't no, know. relevant. Relevant. Well, Modern 90210 day. isn't that.
0: What's one? on Disney Channel? I Zoe? I don't watch it. Saved Disney by the Channel. Bell? I don't know. Man, we're just, okay. we're just
3: grasping for
0: straws now, either, man. E- either way, Drowning Man. The fact that nobody's really said anything mm. about uh, climate pricing and climate tax tells me that they're going to do exactly what they've been doing the past decade, which is protecting their six or seven figure job to be called a leader so they can react. And what they're going to do is react once the green new deal gets through. Well, the compromise will be carbon pricing and carbon tax because the API is already okayed it. And because nobody said anything against it. I mean, we're going on a month now. At least a month. At least. And I haven't heard anybody come out and say, we're for it. We're against it. Let's kick the can down another Mm -hmm. month till we can figure out what this means. Because we didn't see this coming. Because we spent a decade fighting it. And all of a sudden, we're for it. There's probably
3: a bunch of companies that would just rather not talk about it.
0: DEPA, Domestic Energy Producers Alliance, did come out against it. Right. Yeah. So I, I do apologize They did come out Mm -hmm. against it uh, and had some very articulate and eloquent press releases and pricing or uh, quotes, which are available at the crude as well as their website, too. Of course, you can certainly find that. But uh, as far as I know, the crude life and Depa are the only two so far. And I'm not trying to say we're anybody. right. I'm just trying to say that's all I know about. Uh, I, well, I we're certainly. I mean, we, I don't think my, my, your state, my state, North Dakota. I don't think they've come out. No. Anything. Okay, they're busy fighting coal yeah. or uh, promoting coal in the uh, legislature right now, trying to get that through. Uh, I haven't heard anything from Oklahoma. Haven't heard anything from Wyoming. Haven't heard, which is surprising. Kathleen Scama. I have heard from the Western Energy Alliance. They're not in favor. Mm-hmm. They haven't put out like anything official that I'm aware of. But based on their past rhetoric and when asked specifically in the past, she's come out against it and she's had comments. So I would put them there. So we got Depa, Western, uh, we have the, um, is it the, um, shoot, what's the name of that?
3: feels kind of like a tipping point though. I mean, as opposed to uh, actual opposition, it's more like vocal dissent, you know? I mean, because you start to get to the point where the momentum is swinging to that direction where carbon capturing, we're capping these wells, we're transitioning out of oil and gas, uh, you know, fracking bands, all of these things are starting to cumulatively add up to a completely new marketplace. And most of these companies are probably going to get along to go along, right? Or go along to get along.
0: It was the Western Energy Alliance. It was. Okay. I I, I kind of questioned myself because, you know, when I get going sometimes, I just start speaking and then the thought comes later. But not the solid front that
3: you would have. I mean, we're sitting in these same chairs three years ago having this conversation. API would be at the forefront of against carbon capture. Last right? year. Right. Okay. I threw it back a little ways just Last to give year. it some. But you know what I mean? Is Six months ago. It's. It, we wouldn't have even
0: this is this is pre-trump post-trump mm-hmm, absolutely that's all this is so i'm sorry i'm looking at an email right now from kathleen Scama, a president of the western energy alliance mm-hmm. uh testifying uh actually yesterday huh testified yesterday so i should probably go read the one that she sent yesterday <laughs> i just was looking for the name to make sure i had it but uh she's uh, sustaining rural economies and it has to do with uh the green new deal so that's what we're talking about so she's she is she's she's uh busy fighting the green new deal and sticking up for the federal lands and trying to keep all that going and so um i don't yeah. know what's happening in the car- yeah. you
3: know the Le- reason i back know- to the carbon pricing well though. yeah and the reason i never paid a heck of a lot of attention to the whole green new deal is because on its face everything i could hear about it it sounded totally impractical pie in the sky now it sounds like what they're doing is they're they're more likely going to take elements of that, you know, but I don't think we're going to get the green new deal as it was packaged initially. Oh, I'm sure we're not going to, you know, it's going to end up being um, There's things that just aren't physically possible. Well, you know,
0: I'll give you an example
3: going on in this article just real quick. They're talking about, and you mentioned this earlier, the U S currently gets 80% of its energy from coal, petroleum, and natural gas. So that kind of overhaul is one of the reasons why you're looking at a cost of about $93 trillion renewables, about 13% of the uh, energy picture in this country right now. So what they're saying is basically it's either it's more debt or it's deficit instead of deficit funding, it's revenues from dismantled subsidies, environmental taxes. That's got to be the carbon price, right?
0: Where are the interviews with the coal miners and the coal companies? I don't know where from the nineties when Clinton was saying, go code. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, when they were shutting down coal, Mm -hmm. and where I'm going with this is, what what's happening? It's called social engineering, and when you socially engineer, there's some rank prejudice involved here. Mm -hmm. Okay, because essentially what you're doing is you're taking someone's livelihood away, and you're transitioning that economy Mm -hmm. to someone else. And where the problem with Clinton came is because they opened up NAFTA. And all of a sudden, oh, take this job and ship it. Remember? <laughs> yeah, I That do. was the big deal. I remember. All of our jobs are being shipped overseas. Mm-hmm. So when Clinton was shutting down Amer- good-paying American jobs, and they were saying, you know, go figure something else out, they were getting rid of all the jobs that were about the only thing they
3: could do. Well, and, you know, which is weird because you think of the Democrats, you don't generally think of pro-business, but that's got to be one of the biggest big pro-business moves ever was now
0: This was one of the biggest dick moves that they ever did, okay? It, it allowed it, companies th- th- to do that. But here's why it was a dick move is because you took a good-paying blue-collar job, Yeah. okay, and by the way, oil and gas has a lot of good-paying blue-collar jobs, including somebody just running parts out to a rig. They're one of the last bastions of that type of job. Okay, really. so somebody could make fifty to $70,000 a year mm-hmm. showing up to an office filled with parts, mm-hmm. getting in a white pickup, driving 30 miles out to a well site, driving back, grabbing a new part, right. driving 70 miles out to a well site, coming back. They can make a good living doing that. And you know what Biden and Bill Clinton and all these other people who are saying, just go build solar panels, just go build wind turbines, mm-hmm. just go code. What they're saying is, eh, just go deliver Uber Eats. Right. Well, let's figure something out is what it is. you know. Right. But they're yeah. not saying that, oh, you'll also make the same amount of money. Yeah. No. So, go go not only go do uber eats go work at costco too oh and also go get a third job too mm-hmm. that that's what they're not saying so they're being extremely cavalier with people's livelihoods yep. by just saying go do this and the clinton one is a really good example about just go code because you're asking somebody now to go to school think about this mm-hmm. you're a leader You're a leader, and you're supposed to lead people through uncertainty. Oh, just go code. Uh, Just go build solar panels. Just go build wind turbines. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, solar and wind are not completely found on science yet, and oil and gas is. So they got to go back to school for a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Same thing. So now what you're doing is you're asking somebody to go put on some debt. So, stop your awesome job right. that you know how to do and that you've already invested your education into. Mm-hmm. Now, go into debt and get some new education and go start over. It's a total dick thing to do. It is. It's a rank prejudice. And I'm almost thinking it's getting close to hate speech now. This whole uh, we're all in it together nonsense. No, we're not. If you're in charge of the economy and you're just shifting it around like you're playing the game of life or Monopoly, your lifestyle doesn't change at all. If you're a hotshot driver, you're at a you're a, a delivery driver, mm-hmm. you're working a rig, your lifestyle is changing incredibly. Not only from your work side of things, but also from your income side. When I went when, when I worked for the radio station that I used to work for, we were I won two. National awards in three years. Mm -hmm. Okay. You don't think that they liked me there? I was doing well. I had great things happening. I couldn't stand it because I was not self employed. Yeah. You're having to work for somebody else. And I had to do things that didn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's a lot of people like that. Yet, you're telling them not,
3: I mean, it's just, it's such a bizarre. Well, and, and unfortunately not everybody can go off and do their own thing, right? You know, to start their own business, a lot of times they're going to have to turn around and they're going to have to go back to school because they're going to have to, or what's more likely to happen, they're not going to be able to afford to go back to school. So they're going to get those three jobs and they're going to take a night class here. or They're going to an online class here or there, and they're going to get into their fifties. And I mean, it's just, it becomes sort of a death spiral. Is and that's what we missed. We were perhaps the last the end of that last generation of the auto worker job, the yep. coal miner job, the oil and gas job, the truck driver job, you know, the parts mechanic job that where you you really could in this country, that was what made the American dream, whatever that is, achievable. Is that not everybody came out with a college education, not everybody had a ton of debt, but you could get a job if you worked hard. And you could have a house. You could have a family.
0: I got an email. Or I got a email, text, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's all the same, right? On, on my handheld computer, yeah, that it's a message. Works as a communication yeah. device. Ones and zeros, man. Ones and zeros. What's it? It's called a K phone, J phone, G- iPhone. That's I, it. I okay. call it Future Phone. Yeah. F phone. Yeah, it's okay. the F, we yeah, F U phone. F U phone. There we go. <laughs> Sorry, Siri. Uh, and it was from Bank of the West. Bank of the West, publicly traded company, right? Mm-hmm. Aren't they? I think so. I think so too. They're anyway. They're one of the biggest banks that I know about. Mm-hmm. Bank of the West, right? Yeah, they're yeah. a large, probably consortium of banks. Well, they put out a like one of those long postcards. You know, it's yep. like two long lengths, and it talked about how sustainable they were, and it had uh, right on there. About how they were very picky about doing business with oil and gas companies and palm oil. Oh, they're headquartered in San Francisco, I think. Okay, Bank of the West, so that could explain that. Well, palm oil, there's that's uh, more of uh, human rights. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's okay. like that's uh, um, that's slave labor still down there. Okay. And um, so there's anyway, they had oil and gas, and they had I think coal was in there too, and they had. Um, palm oil and anyway it was it was like the dirty half dozen (laughs) i mean it was like it was like the fbi's most wanted don't do business with list Right. right and i looked at that and i'm going oh well from my memory so i went and i went and i looked and yeah lo and behold at least from some research i did in the past bank of the west is the largest financier of rv's isn't that a twinge of hypocrisy? Well, that's where the money is, right? But oil and, you know, you're like, oh, we don't support oil and gas. Right, we're a great right. this. and But you're the largest financier <laughs> of well, I mean, something that needs. It's practical, right? It's, I mean, we're not talking mobile homes. We're talking RVs. Yeah, so
3: we're talking people with money and generally people that are retired age. Do we
0: need to get a hypocrisy ranking? Because we got North Face, right? Right. North Face is... Like, the whole thing is made out of fossil fuels. Right, yeah. The whole thing is the distributed by fossil fuels. The production process
3: all the way to getting it on
0: your shoulders. And they came out and they said, nah, we're fine. You know, in, in the managed marketplace, you can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can pick and choose who your customers are going to be. Again, we're back to rank prejudice. Right. So, do we need to come up with different rankings on this? You know, climate... Envoy and climate czar—they're flying around in private jets. They're well, not flying. They're not carpooling. You know the ESG jet pooling. That—that's
3: becoming like a requirement, right? Yeah, the ESG score. So you're getting whole a whole market that's going to pop up of people that will train you on how to be ESG certified. Right?
0: Yeah, we actually do that. Yeah, yeah. And folks, if you're like to be ESG certified, you, we start with an ESG audit. We go in and we sit down and we do an ESG audit. It's very friendly non-intrusive and Not we just like try to figure search. out what the best steps are studio at the crude com. if you'd like some more information yes this is a solicitation <laughs> we are looking for your esg <laughs> consulting audit business we have certainly done well i'm, I'm kind of certified i mean we're yeah. in the forest and yeah. you know we've been doing we've been doing it for almost 10 years now and so uh, there's, Plus, you are, o- are ordained, so I mean, there's got to be there's got to be some element of that in there. I have a highway I adopted. Yep, I am. Uh, yes, I am ordained. I can technically legally perform wedding ceremonies. Right. And I am known as the hippie capitalist. <laughs> so
3: See, now that should be the the ESG business name: hippie, the, capitalist? The, the hippie capitalist. Yeah. What about groovy capitalism? Groovy capitalism.
0: Groovy capitalism. Yeah, I like it. Right now, it's just you know the, uh, a division of the crude life, and we have uh, and we've got some other people that we kind of outsource with. Mm-hmm. And actually, I've actually done some ESG business, so it, it, this is legit. I, I am I am a professional consultant of the ESG world. Well, every so. time
3: the bureaucracy grows, you have to to be able to sustain the bureaucracy right so the bureaucracy typically grows to sustain itself so you come up with a new thing called the esg well now we got to
0: have a whole new way to regulate that you know well here's an example of esg for example and and there there's a lot of different ways you know we got the potatoes we are talking about the potatoes of inclusion and <laughs> what the potatoes of inclusion are at the bakken barbecue is basically saying I listen A barbecue inherently Mm. keeps vegetarians away, and they make fun of them, and there's a lot of bravado, this and that. All the potato is saying, hey, we welcome all, because we do. Yeah. We want everybody there. And so this way, we're we're not going to get to the peanut allergies. We're not there yet. We're not to that level of inclusion. We're not to the transgender bathrooms. We just have porta-potties. I don't know how that ranks.
3: those are... Really, sort of the most genderless bathrooms you can have. That'd be
0: great if schools and businesses. Just brought porta, just potties, porta potties in. Oh, just God. rip out the bathrooms and every week yeah. bring in a porta potty and suck out. The- There's
3: one time to use a porta potty, and that's before anybody else has. Why don't you ask Sarah if Starbucks will do
0: that? Ha! Take out the bathrooms and just put porta-potties back there. You, know, that, I,
3: you see what I mean? Because it's a slippery slope. They should do it like my boarding school. There wasn't a door. There weren't
0: stalls. I mean, I mean, the, the nice thing about a barbecue is it's probably gluten-free. Yeah. There's not much gluten walking oh, around. There, the barbecue. you're going to need a lot
3: of porta-potties about 7
0: to 8 hours later. <laughs> you need porta-potties <laughs> the next day yeah. at the barbecue Three miles yeah. away. <laughs> but it's, all it is, is is it's an example to get you to think differently. Mm-hmm. Another example that we've uh that we've explained to a company who's done this. Uh they they sponsored a water bottle a uh one that goes uh the plastic ones that you throw away like mm-hmm. your uh, Casey's uh Casey's water bottle yeah, the gas my station ninety nine cent, yeah the res- flimsy ones. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty four pack, thirty six pack at Walmart, right? Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of a lot of trade shows. Well, you can sponsor that, right? Yeah. Well, they make money on it, right? Well, if you're an oil and gas company, do you really believe right now is the best time to have that be your logo? Because if that water bottle, which is plastic, mm-hmm. Does not end up in the recycling bin. Yep. Shouldn't and even, it ends up in the even trash. Even if it does no, let, end up in the let, recycling Let's say it bin. ends up in the trash. Yeah. Okay. Not the recycling bin, because they're next to each other, mm-hmm. right? You have the recycling next to the trash. And a lot of times... And I think they go in the same spot, usually. You, you are subject to some... Someone who wants to be the next Aaron Brockovich of Greta Thunberg's. Okay? Wow. You that like was, that? That was, that was layered, man. That well, was... that, that's, that's what's going to be next. Okay. Some American parent... Is going to want their child to be the Aaron Brockovich of Greta Thunberg, meaning we need to go to the next step. Greta's now a mascot. Hmm. I need my kid to go uncover something, to be the blogger, journalist, to the one pot, up, whatever. To one up it, you mean? So yeah. let's send them to a conference, let's send them to somewhere. Oh, look at this. Water bottle. Here's XYZ. I know where the bottles are buried. XYZ uh, company's logo on a plastic water bottle in the trash, not in the recycle bin. Click. All of a sudden, now you're in a blog. Just like that, you're on the internet with your logo on a plastic thing. That's not, in the trash. Not doing the right thing yeah. because we live in a world. Of, if yeah. you don't bat a thousand, remember Kevin Hart did one thing wrong ten years ago and it cost him the Oscars. That's when he was in mall. Whatever it was, Pop? I don't even remember. He did one thing wrong ten years ago and it cost him being in the Oscars ten years later. Right? Wow. It turned I into even know controversy. Who he is. Oh Kevin wait, that's Hart's right. Yeah, that's right. I he didn't do him. anything wrong for a long time. He, right. was, he was like the golden boy, kind of like what's his what's his name down in. Houston. Uh Deshaun Watson was the poster oh. boy of the NFL until twenty two liars came forward. <laughs> yeah, I love how they're all liars. Yeah. Best defense ever. That is. Oh, they're all lying. That's that's all twenty two of them are lying. I so, love it. I love it. Anyways, I just getting real back quick to where we were.
3: Yeah, remember steamed hams? Yes. Okay. One of the on reasons. The Simpsons. Yes. One of the reasons the Steamed Hams segment on The Simpsons has become so popular, this is according to the guys that wrote it, is because nowadays people just lie yeah and they just accept Ooh. the lie and they they keep lying it's part of a game of competition yeah so yeah. you've got you got you got super nintendo chalmers and uh and uh a skinner there and they're both basically just enabling each other with lies
0: instead of the instead of the fire they're saying it's steamed hams clams and the yeah i mean it's a royus boy
3: it's yeah i mean it it just keeps escalating and that's what it feels like today uh is it is it's just this constant escalation of just bs well it's turned into whose line is anyway well and that's why we're all we're all in a big game of improv exactly and when we point out people's hypocrisy now it's like it's boring because hypocrisy isn't a shameful thing anymore so
0: getting back to the esg and the hypocrisy and the so and, 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 and i'll tell them this too like and i've said it before i said so god forbid buddha forbid whatever your deity or mm-hmm. higher power as we're not here to offend on this right odin high father for me well we're talking about climate activism environmentalists so maybe some wiccan sure you know yeah forbid druids <laughs> <laughs> i used to describe <laughs> oh back because you know i adopted the highway people would ask me if i was an environmentalist and i kind of get offended by that term So I'd say, like, what do you mean, like a dirt-munching druid? (laughs) I'd say things like that. (laughs) And they'd look at me like, what the heck was that? (laughs) Anyway, I get back to where I was. Where was I? Okay, so. Druids, dirt-munching, environmental, ESG. So we say to them, you know, okay, so you have some Aaron Brockovich, Greta Thunberg wannabe, right? Driven by their parents through social media. Yep. Well, Lord above forbid that that water bottle, that plastic disposable water bottle, not a reusable one, but the disposable one, ends up not in the recycle bin or the trash, and it ends up out in the world. So somebody walking to their car Mm -hmm. finishes it and tosses it. So now it's in the parking lot. The wind picks it up, and it's next to a bunch of these masks that are all the new Yep. The new p- paper plastic bag and, and straws of the world, these masks. Yep. Now your water bottle is amongst it, okay? Also, you can have three days at a conference or one day at a conference of, hey, look how cool we are, our logos on a water that's bottle. That's the problem with these guys' marketing, in my opinion anyway, is it's a it's a box to check. It's, oh, yeah, we got to have our logo on something. And water that's bottles. what ESG is, is to make you think outside the box, yeah. actually. It is. It's to make you think outside the box in these cases to where, listen, that was fine before. Mm-hmm. We've evolved a little bit. We just gave you a real-life example. Yep. Do you want your company, XYB Oil Company, to be on the Google unlimited license for anybody to use mm-hmm. going forward of litter of hypocrisy? Because you're going on North Face being hypo- uh, hypocrisy. All right. Here I got, you know, going on Bank of the West being hypocritical and North Face being hypocritical. Well, we got to be careful as oil and gas industry, too, mm-hmm. not to be hypocritical, too. So a lot of that is the ESG thing, too. It's a little bit of looking in the mirror, which no one likes doing. And there's also a little bit of just, hey, by the way, guys, this stuff's already out there. Mm-hmm. So that that's really all it is. Yeah. And it's about, you know, not giving ammunition. Now, you know. That doesn't mean it can't go down that slippery slope. Sure. I mean, oh, no, it gets real slippery real fast. You know, Well, it is, because what we're talking about is what Congressman uh, Armstrong is saying, that if we let the horse out of the barn, and it's, it's out now, mm-hmm. okay, API said, hey, let's do a climate tax. Nobody's stopping that horse. Yep. Once that horse gets too far out of the barn, oh, that horse is out of the barn too late. Right. So I, the horse has been released. I,
3: I think the horse is gone. <laughs> I do too. I don't think it's just out of the barn. I think it's down the road, and now you're going to have to I don't know get another horse and go find it. I mean, it's it's gone.
0: <laughs> we got to get some chariots and attach. There it to is it.
3: I I don't I mean I don't think that we are going to see carbon pricing be put back in the bottle. Tomorrow is
0: Earth Day, so I believe a lot of this will be discussed in the next. We should dig a hours. ditch or something and for Earth Day. The other thing, too, is it'll be interesting to see if any of these uh, organizations, you know, whether it's whether it's a petroleum uh, council or Mm -hmm. alliance or organization, whatever the state run ones are or the national ones. Mm -hmm. And there's energy ones, too. I mean, you've got you know, we've had. Uh, energy alliances on, you know, uh, the Texas Energy Alliance. They represent 2,400 companies, right? I haven't, I guess I haven't reached out to him or seen anything if they've put anything out either, you know, because they represent both sides. Well, you know, it's not like we do a lot of, I mean, you
3: do, but I don't do a lot of deep digging for news. So you would expect if they're Making a message or a statement that it would show up, right?
0: Well, we get it if it's um, if it's a statement, a statement they put of, out, yeah. yeah but, right? But, if it was, but like I, I said, up. I do see them in news stories and in other conferences where they do actually quote. Yeah. And so if I like it, I'll pull it. I'll sure. say, oh, I'll grab it and put it in my my research notes because they said it publicly. You know, it doesn't have to be the Denver Post or whatever. No, but
3: there hasn't even been a
0: lot of that where they're publicly saying. Anything Not about, about the about climate yeah. tax or the pricing. Yeah. My my question is, is that with Earth Day, I wonder if anybody will even talk about it.
3: That would be the day to do it. Uh, well, you right? got to talking to the mic. That would there. be the day to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, the uh, water machine doesn't have mics. Yeah, can we get some line oh, hooked up to this? It, thing it might actually have a mic because it, it probably does. It's, yeah, it can hear you. It is uh, a modern-day appliance. Smart fridge. We better be careful. Do you really need that, Jason? Pretty soon, my phone's going to be giving me all kinds of new microphone ads because (laughs) it's listening. Right, my my refrigerator's listening (laughs) to me. Well, at least someone is.
1: Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, "Play Hard, Work Hard," is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life, "Play Hard, Work Hard," is sponsored in part by Chewy
0: Paws. All natural elk, deer, moose, and caribou antler chews for dogs. USA sourced premium quality and no preservatives. They love what we do in oil and gas, and all profits go to the dogs. That's Chewy Paws. Check out their
1: website, chewypaws.com. That's Chewy Paws with a Z.com. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by
2: For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker, Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come.
0: carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out TheIndustrialForest.com
1: That's TheIndustrialForest.com Time now to work hard on the Swan Energy phone lines.
4: Dean and North Dakota State University. Um,
0: Thank you for joining so, the program here today. It is the Crude Life Play hard, Work Hard. We're going to do a little work hard right now because we've got the Well, probably, in my opinion, one of the most uh, trusted and knowledgeable gentlemen when it comes to the Bakken shale play, because he's been covering this as long as I've been covering this, and I've been going on 10 years now. So, uh, Mr. Dean Bankson, Professor Dean Bankson of uh, North Dakota State University, what is your official title these days?
4: I'm a research scientist.
0: Okay, research Uh, scientist, and how many rounds of research scientifing have you been doing in the Bakken now?
4: <laughs> we, um, we started our first assessment based on what the industry was doing in 2005, and we've been doing an assessment every two years since. So we've, we've conducted eight uh, studies looking at the economic footprint of this industry.
0: And def, kind of define assessment a little bit. Is that like a study or a survey, or what, what? What's the term assessment mean in this context?
4: Well, we look we look to gather information from the industry that plays a key role in in what we're doing. Um, we're looking at uh, information on payroll, uh, what the companies are spending uh, their money on, where they're acquiring their goods and services. Uh, that feeds into a big part of, of what we're doing. But what, what the studies are about is that they're, mm-hmm. we term them economic contribution studies, and we do these for a lot of different industries in the state. But what it is, it measures the, the economic footprint or the economic size of an industry, and it uses things like uh, jobs, employment compensation, labor income, you know, uh, gross sales, Uh, we look at, uh, additional effects that occur as, as the demand for goods and services by this industry travels through the economy and people like to refer to them as multiplier effects. Um, we look at both indirect and induced. So, you know, we look at the business to business transactions, and then we look at, uh, what the effect of, uh, the employees in the state purchasing goods and services for their own, their own personal consumption. So, we package all that up um, and we compare that back to estimates of the overall size of the economy and um, it gives you an indication of, you know, what share of, of what's happening in North Dakota is attributable to a specific industry.
0: What's the juicy part of the survey? Anything stand out, I guess? any, any uh, Anything jump out, you know, from either last study to this study or looking at 2005 to today or something along those lines, you know? I mean, is there any sort of a main acknowledgement that you took away from it?
4: Well, I think each time we do this, the the industry has undergone some type of change.
0: I know, know, it's unreal, isn't it?
4: it, You know, we go back to 2005 and... It's
0: like a boxing match, back and forth, (laughs) back and forth.
4: (laughs) It's... It's like a Jenga game, you know, where you just keep adding pieces and and
0: you don't know, say that because eventually it falls. Of course, in boxing, you get knocked out, so never mind. Well, yeah, that's,
4: that's true too. <laughs> you can be saved by the bell, maybe, but um, no. I mean, I think that the, the the really interesting thing here is is over the period that we've been looking at this industry, it went from you know an important industry in the state. Uh, you know, all of our basic sector industries are important. I mean you know, to suggest otherwise is, is just not very understanding of, of what drives your economy. But um, looking at what created this this enormous growth in the industry and then looking at it from, you know, what, what has it done to North Dakota? Um, I think there's been some profound changes. Um, you know, we've well, a large part of what comes out of Bismarck these days is driven by revenues coming from this particular individual in, uh, industry. Um, and I've always said, uh, you know, when we started looking at shale uh, development and this industry was exploding, um, you know, we had help we, our other industries were healthy at that time, but they weren't expanding like the petroleum industry was. It was the biggest catalyst of economic change we've seen in in many decades in the state. Um, and I think you know the the thing that we're seeing now with with a lot of the recent assessments are is it's not it's not being driven by expansion. It's now being driven by uh, production. And I think that's the big thing that people, you know, kind of, Still, glamour towards you know the the high rig count, two hundred some rigs, one hundred some rigs, and the idea that we had, you know, trucks and people running all over western North Dakota looking to pop holes in the ground. Um, you know, the industry has matured, and we now have a very large, very mature industry in the state that you know still uh, has a tremendous influence on on the economy, and um, I think more so than what a lot of people realize.
0: How in-depth do you get with the survey? I know one time the housing, we got pretty in-depth where you guys were, you know, looking in culverts and sheds and all kinds of different things, trying to get your arms around the different housing situation back in, I don't know, 2013, 12, something like that, probably even 10, 2010 actually.
1: I think there was.
0: Oh, go ahead. No, uh, well, I was going to say. So I, I know d- at times, you know, it just seems like either you focus on it or just our conversations kind of focus focus on that. Um, have you guys kind of acknowledged or discovered or seen any industries really take off because of this? And the example I'm thinking of is either the uh, UAS drone industry. And uh, the technology software industry that NDSU is uh, doing with um, just you know development of different softwares is is that kind of has the oil and gas industry been kind of the the you know the, the seed planter of you know business so to speak trying to get some of those going or does that not look into the surveys and and of some of the ancillary. Midstream portions of the business and in the innovation sector. Did I make any sense at all?
4: Oh sure. No. Okay. As far as you know, what the the presence of this large industry has in North Dakota in terms of driving technological change and innovation, and whether we can you know pin up a, a large portion of some of the new developments to the presence of this industry. You know, unfortunately, we don't really look at those uh, directly. Um, that's not really the the gist of what we're after with this particular set of studies, but um, there's no doubt that having um, the applicability of putting a drone in the air to to go and look at uh, production-related facilities or or transportation facilities or whatever remotely uh, is is a huge huge gain for an industry that used to rely on people having to physically go and you know manually inspect stuff. So, I mean, I think that. You know, we have a huge opportunity for some of these new technologies to be deployed in the state. I think that that has as much to do with with anything as we've got we've got a ready market for this new these new innovations and new technologies. Um, you know, in terms of of some of the innovations that are taking place with the industry, we don't see them directly, but they're related to a lot of the stuff that's being done. Down in the well bore, and the degree of efficiency improvement and the degree of resource recovery has increased tremendously. the The ability of the industry to respond by putting more wells in the ground um, is is expand or has increased beyond what most people would have considered possible. And so, the industry is innovating. right as we speak. And during these downtimes, of course, uh, that pushes that innovation curve even greater than you would under, you know, good times. But this industry is is rapidly, or if not have already, has made tremendous strides in becoming much more efficient. Um, and that plays into some of the stuff that we're finding with this study is that when we look at, the labor requirements for the industry um or we look at you know the direct jobs in this industry they're substantial but they probably won't stay proportional to the number of wells or well output just because of some of these innovative technologies and and some of these new practices that are taking place um, you know i think there's you know the the whole capacity to manage a well and and look at production and transportation activities from a central location using, you know, remote sensing and and aerial drones and things like that is going to become much more prevalent in the future. And the implication for the state is, is that as some of these new technologies are brought on board, um, we probably won't need as many people on the ground. So, you know, that, that, that affects your expectation for employment, affects the expectation for the amount of dollars that are gonna be going to households, um, you know, it has it has direct connotations to, you know, what what we expect the, this industry to do for the state.
0: And that's where I was kind of going with with the question next is, you know, is there anyone linking them together? Because if, if, what I mean, I should probably explain the question because I, I haven't yet. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I started covering drones back in. 2006, uh, back when they were UAS, UAV, I think there was even another name for them. I mean, we've gone through an evolution of uh, different acronyms and ways to correctly uh, use the word, you know. Um, Back in 2008, North Dakota Ag Commissioner and I, Doug Goring, started having regular conversations, at least annually, if not twice a year, on the update on drone technology, to where last we spoke, you know, we're talking real time now, drones going over sunflowers or potatoes and seeing individual pathogens of potato blight, sending out a little four-wheeler to do a little perfume mist of, uh, you know, some herbicide or pesticide and reducing that whole number down. And, you know, the, the talk to the, the crew uh, out by Hillsboro that they've been monitoring those fields for a few years and that sort of thing. So uh, Tommy Kenville up at UND, you know, I got another name I can drop too, I guess, on my foot. So we've just, you know, we've been covering this for a long time. And when I started seeing the integration of uh, the well technology, boy, is so many similarities I saw when it came to the eye pipe and just... The way that the drone industry has gone into the ag world, uh, it almost just seems like there's so many similarities. So that, that was That's where I was going with this, is that I didn't know if there was anyone that uh, is connecting the two together or if these conversations are being had. But when you were started talking about some of the um, advancements of the oil and gas industry, I'm going, geez, these are just like deja vu with <laughs> Conversations I've been having with Commissioner Goring because we used to say that you know a row of sunflowers is no different than a pipeline. So the oil and gas industry's next when it comes to methane detection and leak detection and etc. So um, I don't know if you want to go anywhere with that comment or not, but
4: well, it's it's really kind of outside of the you know the core of of what we're doing with these studies. But I think that you know the subject matter is interesting nonetheless. I mean we. You know, we, we like to think that, that um, you know, we, we have a real focused, forward-looking crystal ball on drones, but I think we're at the very cusp of what they can do, and I think if you start linking uh, automation, uh, unmanned other vehicles, and with drones, um, you know, we can, you know, possibly at some point in the future here look like the Jetsons. I mean
0: we're getting <laughs> you close. Know? You know, yeah
4: I mean it's it's fascinating stuff. It's it's not you know for what we're doing specifically with the work that we're looking at here, you know, we're we're not trying to link industries by, you know, the driving forces behind innovation as much as we are linking industries with, you know, the purchase of goods and services. Yeah. And and so you now,
0: know, you get, I ex- Oh go ahead. Sorry.
4: No, I was going to say I would expect that as drone technology improves, or I should say, the application of that is is tailored more for specific, you know, sectors and things like that. That we will that will feed into, you know, our economic analysis. Um, you know that that would represent another economic sector that supplies goods and services to another economic sector, and so it gets weaved into the fabric of of our economy. And, you know, that that can be just like looking at the, the budget sheet for a for an egg producer growing a, a commodity. You know, uh, we used to have, you know, an expense line item for, well, we used to, we still do, I mean, for seed, fertilizer, whatever. I mean, you're going to see, you know, monitoring and, and aerial obs- observation and things like that become, you know, production line item. Um, it's. I think it's just a matter of time before that actually happens.
0: Now, I did notice you folded in another survey, or I, I got a little bit confused uh, on this survey because normally we do a uh, interview with uh, Brent Bolger, who does yes. a uh, economic tax study, and I, I've cited that that study so many times. You know, the fifty to sixty <laughs> percent of the states. Budget tied to two oil and gas taxes, and you know these different things. And but then I I saw your name was in that too, and I got a little confused. So, um, are are you guys doing the same study? Is it is it separate studies? Are you combining the two? Do you mind if I ask that question?
4: (laughs) No, 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 not at all. Um, Well, our assessment is one hundred percent independent of of the other study. Okay, Um, and so. Um, but they're both looking at, you know, to a degree, the influence of this industry on the state's economy. What we're looking at is more from a business volume perspective. We're looking at jobs, dollars, you know, things that, that uh, transactions between business and business and, you know, the the oil field workers going and, and having lunch in the cafes and that all that type of stuff. What what Brent was looking at was the dollars that come in from the industry. How are they distributed, and then how does that distribution of those dollars work itself back into you know things that take place on a frequent basis that affect just about everybody's life? So you know that that is another dimension of how this industry is influencing things in the state. Um, you know, Brett's work um you know looks at primarily the two major tax revenues coming in from the from the industry gross production tax and extraction tax and and if anybody has tried to follow that you know they go into a bunch of different funds and those different funds are targeted for for a bunch of different uses education, you know, tax relief um and, and a lot of those funds distribute money into cities and counties throughout the state and that's really what his study tries to measure
0: that was one of the most eye-opening studies I've ever seen in the state of North Dakota
4: it's well I mean it, you kind of get lost in the size of some of the numbers when we say it's
0: literally unbelievable like when you yep. look at it you, you think that you're not seeing it correctly Anyway, you
4: know, when ahead. I come, when I when I come forward and I say that you know the the industry contributes X percent to state and local revenues and you know Brent comes out and says well it's you know these two revenues are about 50 percent of the state revenue you know people kind of yeah that's a lot you know I mean they they, they kind of sense the importance but it's when you relate that back to something that they do, something that they see, something tangible in their own community, in their own area, that it really starts resonating. You know, I mean...
0: Well, and, and you know as well as I do, and the reason I asked about the connection of the innovation, because right now, uh, North Dakota is, is building a very good sector devoted to innovation. And that innovation sector is going into healthcare. It's going into agriculture it's going into you know office management if you will but a big part of that is being funded by oil and gas either through the oil and gas companies investing in and in different companies and technologies but also a ton of state money too i mean a ton yep. of state money through the erc the i pipe the 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 uh, little the different foundations there are that are set up so th- there is a lot of uh, resources going into the ground floor, if you will, of building a new sector called the innovation or technology sector in North Dakota. And I think that's a fair statement. I really do. And especially after Boger's study, um, I felt pretty confident saying that Dean, I don't, and I'm, that's just, well, I think, that, that's, that's an editorial. I get that. So
4: Well, I think the, you know, the takeaway that people probably are not latching onto and in, in strong enough Connotation is is that you know it's ta- it, what you see as tangible effects are large enough as the, as they are. But what you probably don't see is the undercurrent of all the funding that is done, um, all the all the things that are financed through this this industry. The other thing that that you sometimes fail to realize is the government needs a certain amount of resources to operate. And you can debate whether they should operate at this level or that level. That's probably not a discussion we'll get into today. But um, if you take away the the revenues from the oil and gas industry, um, all of a sudden their revenue stream shrinks, but some of the core activities they need to fund hasn't changed. And so you now don't have money to do a lot of the things that they're doing now. And so, you know, that's the part of it that I think people fail to realize is that you know this is really a bonus to the state it's it's oh, a benefit it's a benefit that that a lot of states don't have
0: now i'll go a step further, Dean and say, and this is where where your study becomes really important because when I tried to talk to Brent Boger about this, his study kind of ran out, and of course, my background was talking to you, so I'm like, okay, this is where Dean Banks and a Nancy Hoder from North Dakota State, their bigger picture comes in. And, and that is, is, you know, my business, The Crude Life, you know, technically we're a news marketing ad agency. I mean, we, you know, we're the communication business sector, so we're not yep. really oil and gas. But I guess people would consider us oil and gas, but at the end of the day, according to the IRS and the government, we're, we're communications. You know, that's, <laughs> that, that's, that's what we are, so we're not counted in the oil and gas sector. I'll, however... A hundred percent of my income comes from that, and well, there, there's a lot of truckers that are considered transportation, but they're oil and gas too. You know what I mean? Yep. So the, well, the, the, the the midstream, upstream, uh, and we we joke and say the salmon stream and trout stream exists too because they fund so many. Sorry to interrupt you, but go ahead.
4: No, now. no, I was I, I was just going to say that the the issue here you're touching upon is is one of the key reasons why. We have so many industries come to us and say, can you measure, you know, our overall effect on the economy? Can you measure that? And we say, yes, but, you know, we're going to need some data. And then we work through the process. But the reason why industries do these studies is for exactly the reason. One of the reasons is for exactly the issue you just talked about. The way the government divides economic sectors it's based on the task that the sector is producing in other words if you loan somebody a loan it's finance if you drive a truck you're transportation if you sell a candy bar to somebody you're retail okay but the, what our studies do is attempt to tap into those other economic sectors and suggest what share of those economic sectors are there because of the presence of the oil and gas industry and this is, this is true for all of our other industries. It's true for the egg industry. It's true for, you know, the lignite industry. It's true for manufacturing. Um, all of those industries tap into other industry or other economic sectors. But when you go to government statistics, it won't capture that type of a measurement. And so I can safely say I don't think there's an industry in the state that would want to be defined based on how the government defines the industry. Um, it's a very narrow slot, and it does not take into consideration the interaction of that particular industry with all the others. You know, it's, it's, it's really easy to, you know, draw examples of that. Um, you know, let's say that you have a operating firm, and they need to borrow some money. Um, so they go to the local bank. I, they probably wouldn't go to a local bank, but... Um, let's say that they find funding from a financing source in North Dakota. Well, that's the activity that they just, they created or that input that they needed doesn't get put in the pile for oil and gas. It gets in the pile for banking and investment. And so when you go to the government statistics and you say, gosh, you know, the finance sector is really pretty large. Um, and these other sectors are pretty large. The question is, is that why are they large? Well, it's because we have industries that are using those goods and services, and that's really what we try to sort out with these studies.
0: All right, I got a tough question for you. <laughs> not, not, not that they've been a cakewalk up till now, but uh, I have absolutely no idea if you guys are going to include this in the future, if it's already included, or if the conversations are even being had, but there's an ESG movement, environmental, social governance. There's a uh, environmental uh, climate change of impacting banking and regulations and governments now and local municipalities. And are you guys getting into that at all in terms of uh, it, it, you know impacting into your study, in, in, embedding it in there, looking at it? Uh, do you even have any idea what I'm talking about?
4: Yes, yeah, so I know exactly what you're you're referring to. Um, if we were to look at that particular issue, we would probably end up doing what we call an economic impact study, which is technically just a little bit different than a contribution study. But um, there's a lot of people that look at that stuff. Um, and we're not particularly, you know, drawn into that, that discussion at this point. Um, you know, I think there's as As you were mentioning, I think it's prudent for people to be aware that this is taking place. And for right or wrong reasons, I think we're going to see more of it in the future. But um to what extent that affects the econ- affects the oil and gas industry is really not what we're doing here. Um, if that if that results in a substantial reduction in the size of the oil and gas industry, we would then, that would then be brought forward in our work by showing the industry has, has declined in size. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. And and right now, this is all just conversations and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, we've got, you know, major oil companies putting out sustainability reports, ESG reports, Wells Fargo. I got an advertisement from them the other day, or Bank of the West, uh, about, you know, putting the fossil fuel logo on there and palm oil saying, you know, they're not going to be getting into that business anymore, even though Bank of the West is the largest financier of RVs. <laughs> um, I just, I, I, it's interesting because, we, you know, there's a lot of people that are getting into the picking and choosing businesses now based on whether you're in the oil and gas business. I didn't realize times were as good as that, but uh, that's a different conversation for a different day. So let's get back to your report, if we would, sir. Um if you're an oil and gas company down in Houston or Denver, that's where a lot of them, you know, Oklahoma City, that's where a lot of them yep. are uh, in the Bakken. Um, I suppose we should probably throw the East Coast in there since Hess has such a big presence. Um, what, what should they know? You know, what should the CEOs, the, the regional reps, what should they know from this, you know, that you're seeing from either the, the economic standpoint or what was in the executive summary uh, to, to kind of lay out that this is the state of the, the the where we're at after COVID and everything else. Well, I
4: think COVID's a whole other issue. Um, we know that COVID has slammed the demand for, for petroleum, which resulted in a big price collapse, and we saw a huge contraction in the industry, and we're, we're seeing that manifest itself here in 2020 in North Dakota, but if you look at the results of this study, and you say, okay, yep, uh, oil and gas is important to North Dakota. It's also important to Texas. It's important in all of the state economies that exist. One of the unique things I think about what's happening in North Dakota is is that we have a, by comparative standards, relatively small state economy compared to a lot of other states. In fact, um, you know, we're we're in the bottom 25th percentile, you know, on a just about every year basis. And when you look at the percentage share of what this industry means to the state, it's considerably larger than the percentage share that oil and gas have in some of these other other state economies. And that's an important takeaway for someone who's working in Houston to understand, you know, kind of the sensitivity of why there's so much interest in oil and gas in North Dakota, why we are so concerned about these pipelines, you know, why we are concerned about uh, leasing activities and, and fracking um, is that while the oil and gas industry in North Dakota isn't as big as the oil and gas industry in Texas, it represents a bigger share of our state economy. And that's that's the big part of it is is just recognizing the context under which, you know, how North Dakota is hitched either directly or indirectly to a lot of output coming from this one industry.
0: You know, we mentioned about the basically direct and indirect businesses and some of the supply chain and et cetera. The the other part of this, and I know that you guys cover this, is, you know, some of the construction aspects and some of the different areas when it comes to uh, whether it be, you know, the gas, the processing plants and the pipelines and and et cetera. Um, did, did you see anywhere that was kind of carrying other areas, you know, any areas dip, any areas spike up, that side of, that type of thing?
4: Well, it's, you know, we started looking at what we call infrastructure investment back in 2011. And it was probably an oversight not to have been collecting that type of information right from the start back in 2005. Because I think we would have saw, you know, a, a pretty telling story on on the number of uh the amount of resources being put into the Bakken, not just dollars being spent now for well drilling and things like that, but, you know, infrastructure, pipelines, roads, gas plants, you know, depot yards, everything that is within the context of the industry. We track that now in our studies. And when we looked at that in 2011, you know, we were pretty amazed by you know, the volume of investment that was, you know, going into the state, and it was investment in water recycling. It was investment in in gathering systems. It was an investment in everything that is needed from an infrastructure standpoint to grow this industry. It was all occurring in North Dakota, and it was billions of dollars. Um, Now, not all of those dollars get hooked in North Dakota because, you know, we have you know, contracting services from other firms out of state, their specialized inputs—you know—all that stuff. But when we look at that from a standpoint, it's a really telling, uh, telling set of numbers: how much money the state, the, the state, has seen the industry invest. Um, and that tells me—that speaks volumes, in my opinion—that you know, this industry is not going to go away. We have a, a huge amount of investment that's been made. In North Dakota, and I think that investment's made because they understand the value of the of the Bakken formation and or the Bakken three forks in terms of how much oil they can get out. Um, what we saw with our various latest study was is you know there is very little investment being done in some of those things that we saw in 2011, but that's to be expected. Um, you know, once we create a road, once we create a series of well pads, we don't need to go in and redo that. So a lot of that type of infrastructure is more of a one-time, one-off type thing. Once it's done, we're, we're good. A lot of the service companies, um, Halliburton is one, there's a number of others. Once they have made their major expansion in facilities, um, we don't have to go and rebuild another one of them, you know, every other year. So some of that investment has tapered off, and that's to be expected. But we did see uh, a considerable amount of investment still going into gas capturing and gas processing. And I think that's you know, that's reminiscent of of you know what what we have to have to to sustain the level of capture that is being expected. And when this industry first expanded, we were woefully short on infrastructure needed to adequately take care of the gas that was coming from these Bakken wells. and so it's it's kind of nice to see the industry is still putting billions of dollars in investment into that. Um, and I think you know that bodes well both for the state and for for um, you know the the issues of uh, concerned about emissions and, and you know, waste of, of gas resources and all of those things. The industry is, is trying to address that. Um, to some extent, that's been slower than some people expected. But, you know, keep in mind, historically, oil production in North Dakota was, you know, had pretty small geographic footprint. When you look at the size of the block and you know, you're looking at, you know, thousands of square miles. It takes time and it takes resources to put that infrastructure in place.
0: One of the infrastructures we mentioned the other day in the program was the rail um, infrastructure, the amount of BNSF investment that has gone into not only the state of North Dakota, but their entire network to accommodate a lot of oil and gas transport. And then, of course, with Hess and Crestwood, the uh, Whiting, even One Oak, some of the investments they've been putting into these processing plants um, for the rail terminals is, is that tapered off? Where are we at with the rails? Cause that would seem like a one-time investment. And then after that was done, it would just seem maintenance would, would be after that. Am I correct to assume something like that?
4: Yeah, we've, you know, once the, the rail depots were built, um, you know, we, they were used pretty heavily during a period of time when when our output really exceeded the ability to get it out of the region and and the industry moved a lot of oil out of North Dakota by rail. That has subsided quite a bit. We didn't see um, in in the reporting that we got from the industry, we didn't see really any meaningful investment in expanding uh, that particular capacity. But that is another example of infrastructure that the industry put in. Um, that once that's in place, you probably don't need to see that being recreated on a frequent basis. Um, you know, the, the investment by BNSF on, on track capacity and things like that throughout the state, that is really outside of what we capture with, with our studies. So, you know, that in, oven, in a sense is, you know, one of those ancillary benefits that you might say that, that uh, goes unmeasured.
0: All right, final thoughts. Uh, I had to bring that up because I, I, with some of the pipeline thing, we might have an increase of uh, rail, uh, rail activity here in the next uh, year or two with uh, all this, you know, that type of thing. So, well, Matt Rose, you know, he, was, he, they, he invested a lot of money in the state, and he was going around the state for a number of years talking about it. So uh, my, my guess is that a lot of those projects have come to fruition by now. So oh, yep. anyway, um, yeah, but that's that's anyway, that's people can take a look. Uh, by the way, we're going to have the uh, presentations available at the crude life dot com to uh, Professor Dean Bankson has emailed us the PDFs so we can have them available for people to look at as well. And just what do you got for final thoughts? What should people uh, think? What should they know? Uh, did we miss anything? Anything we want to reiterate? You know, just kind of final thoughts about this presentation. Well,
4: I think the nice the nice thing that we've got with the work that we've got here is we've got a nice timeline chronology of really what's been happening with this industry. And, and I think that, you know, there is a tendency to look at the, the more flashy statistics that come out of the oil patch. we got rig counts, this or that. You know, price of oil is this or that, but really behind the scenes, we have a fairly mature industry, and there's a huge amount of economic output coming from oil and gas production. And we're not, we're not going to go back to what we saw in 2014 and 2013, and you know where the state had you know over 200 rigs punching holes all over the place. So, you know, just because I think some of the drilling activity is down. You know, some of that massive investment that we saw in roads and infrastructure and, you know, just the, the type of flurry of what was happening in western North Dakota isn't there. doesn't mean that we don't have a big industry and doesn't mean that it's not important to the state.
1: Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. with Jason Speece. Thank you for joining the
0: program today.
3: You know, I I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas
1: industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomenon. They really believe everything that people tell them. We
4: just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, And especially you, Jason, without without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. Well, that we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff like this.
1: Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now, I our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky and we're not lucky that often. You're
2: exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can speak for my twenty companies, they take it very serious. It makes perfect
3: sense and I thought you had a really good Last week, Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that that lead to the most important
4: truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate. How about Jason Speas, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world?
3: No one does an interview like Jason Speas.
4: We all like living the crude life, so. <laughs>
1: The Crude Life, with host Jason Speece. My name is Jason Speece, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk
0: with U.S. Senator John Hovind as he discusses the Dakota Access Pipeline with President Joe Biden. The North Dakota Senator, along with others, delivered letters from the state of North Dakota, to the affiliated tribes, to the President of the United States, and also pressed... U.S. Army Corps Chief Spellman for adequate consultation with the state and the three affiliated tribes. Senator Hoven has made the case to the administration, including the President of the United States, as well as the Interior Secretary, his case that the pipeline should remain in operation. The senator has also repeatedly met and spoken with Army Corps Chief Scott Spellman, including once again yesterday. They met about the importance of the pipeline and urged him to ensure that the court allows the adequate time for the tribal and state consultation to help stave off the shutdown of the Dakota Access Pipeline. This is U.S. Senator John Hoven. While well, I was at the White House today to talk about infrastructure, I also brought up the importance of allowing the Dakota Access Pipeline to continue to operate as it has been now for almost four years safely, latest greatest safety features, but it needs to continue to operate while the Corps finishes the environmental impact statement. I think that's fairest to all. We're making sure all the safety features are there, but obviously it would adversely impact the state of North Dakota and three affiliated tribes, if it isn't allowed to continue to operate. And I presented letters both from the Attorney General of the State of North Dakota, as well as from three affiliated tribes, laying out how important it is that the pipeline continue to operate. And that was U.S. Senator John holben talking about the Dakota Access Pipeline. The Dakota Access Pipeline is a critical infrastructure project that runs through North Dakota, South Dakota, and Iowa. For more information, exclusive interviews, and energy innovations, be sure to check out thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry,
1: it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by...
2: For more than 100 years, First International Bank & Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come.
0: carbon for decades to come it takes an industry to build a forest if you're interested in sustainable forests
1: growing industry jobs check out the industrialforest.com that's the industrialforest.com the music heard on the crude life morning show play hard work hard is by the moody river band interested in becoming a sponsor email studio at the The Crude Life with host Jason Speece.
4: So, there's still people without power as of this morning.
1: You know, right now, I think there's very limited driving out there in West Texas. They're generating about 5% of the power today uh, in in Texas. Sensitive microphone because I just poured a glass of water because we don't have running water
4: here yet. I mean, this this has been uh, a very trying week for a lot of people across the state of Texas. Uh, There are, and and let me just say this, I'm sorry that so many Texans were let down by their grid.
2: On the phone, talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We have roughly
0: 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipelines in Texas, and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities uh, lines in Texas. So we have a lot of, and gathering lines are in that 470,000 miles as well. So we have a lot of
4: pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six.
1: It, it is a very challenging day in Texas right now. Uh, the grid operator is projecting that nearly three million homes in Texas uh, are without power today, uh, and, and there's- It's our snowing here in Lubbock
4: again. I mean, I don't I thought it was supposed to be sunny today. So I'm from Odessa, and that's a big part of my district. But I also represent, uh, in addition to Ector County, uh, three other counties in the Permian Basin: so Andrews County, Ector County, Ward County, and Winkler
1: County. But uh, all, all in West Texas, all in the middle of the oil patch. You know, when they close the roads down, we can't transport that that those uh, those materials. And so we can't get the product to uh, where it needs to go to get refined so that we can either one, heat our homes or two, uh, have fuel for our vehicles. Um, with pipelines, that doesn't really come into effect. You know, Once the pipelines are laid, not much can stop that, that crude oil or uh, natural gas from
4: getting from point A to point B. They are so far behind the curve on getting the storage, the battery storage, uh, in place to be, to be able to handle a, the, the, you know, the most minute degree of storage for a case like what happened in Texas.
1: And now, it, you know, there's going to be a spotlight on that. And just an incredible impact. We saw nearly 30 gigawatts uh, come offline yesterday.
4: Half of, half of the lodge went without water since Saturday.
1: On Friday, the railroad commission uh, took quick action. I know you recently had Chairman Craddock on. We'll have
4: water for until 5 p.m. and then we'll be
1: off again for the night. On Friday, I sent a letter
4: asking the Public Utilities Commission of Texas to rescind its order authorizing uh, these uh, generator, these generators or these providers to increase the rates. You know, I don't know that's true, but I don't think I'd want to be in a hospital in Dallas, Texas, on a on life support and know that wind energy is going to be my source of keeping that machine running, right? J.P. Warren reporting from uh, Houston, Texas at 9, 12 a.m. I don't
1: even know what day it is right now. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, We ran out of water yesterday.
4: I've had maybe three hours of sleep in three days.
1: The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by...
0: It takes an industry to build a forest. industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out the industrialforest.com.
1: That's the industrialforest.com. The Crude Life Play Hard Work Hard is sponsored in part by
2: For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in Western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come.